All right, Megan, as we wrap up our initial consultation here at Nutrition Awareness today, I just wanted to make sure that if you had any more questions, any last minute things you wanted to ask before I let you go, that you had the opportunity to do that. So how do I make sure I'm eating the right amount, like portion sizes? You're telling me that after this entire 60-minute session and everything we went through in detail, you want to know how much you should be eating? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. We were just talking before the episode about how... God love them, our clients who will come in and we'll have a great session. We'll go through so many different things in relation to their diet goals, their nutrition needs, and they'll drop a bomb on us at the end of the session with such a big question, which is, how do I know I'm eating the correct portions? As if we could answer that in 60 seconds or less. So when we were talking about what topic we wanted to talk about today and you brought up portion sizes... I was wondering if we were going to be on the same page about Mm -hmm. this. I didn't really know. Well, it's going to be fun because we're going to find out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't know, if you're new to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, Megan and I, I'm Kate, we are both registered dietitian nutritionists, and we work at a private practice where we sit down with people and work with them one-on-one, helping them resolve some concerns with their nutrition, with their diet, so that they can reach health goals. So we really get to know our clients. We have in-depth conversations. We get to know everything there is to know about their diet, or at least what they're open to telling us. And one of the questions we get a lot, at least in the context of weight loss, which I think is the angle we're going to take with this podcast, because talking about weight gain would be a, a different ballpark, and as would blood sugar management, and so forth. Um, So when it comes to weight loss, we have a lot of clients who are concerned about their portion size. I think this makes sense. I think from an outsider's perspective, I think it's a question they either think they should be asking or a question that they actually really do want to know the answer to. Like, hey, dietitian, I came to see you. Tell me how much of each thing I should be eating. But from a dietitian's perspective and from a perspective of someone who's worked with hundreds of people we know that the answer to that isn't just, it's not a black and white. It's not a half cup of brown rice is the proper portion size for you, yep. right? Is that how you... Do totally. You, you don't teach like a half cup of this, a full cup of that. Like no. we, I know we got taught that in school. We were taught here is the proper portion size of each thing. And this is how you should be teaching it with the food models and eat a portion of this and a portion of that. And I think that's stuck in people's heads too, but... It's just irrelevant. Totally. It's totally irrelevant, (laughs) at least in the context of somebody who's healthy, right? I mean, if you are trying to lower blood sugars, yeah, there's going to be times when portion controlling carbohydrates or specific foods could be valuable, but I don't think it's the most important aspect uh, of that alone. But weight loss, no, I think it really just, (laughs) I think it is a catalyst when you box people in on how much of a specific food they should be eating could be a catalyst for uh, binge eating or breaking their quote unquote plan. It's so, it's such a hard topic to say that there's one way to do it, right? Because there are some people who really thrive and can just operate from a perspective of like, this is how much I eat. I like to measure. I like to know, but I would say that's the minority. Yeah. And it, You know, that half cup brown rice scenario that I keep bringing up, 
it's like, is that appropriate sometimes? Sure, like if you wanna go off of that to start with, but if you're having half a cup of brown rice with a half a cup of beans and two tortillas and half a cup of plantains, it's like those were all quote unquote appropriate portion sizes Mm. of those foods. But if we look at what all those foods are, all those foods are carbohydrate based. So even if you did the exact right portion size, your meal is not balanced at all while using those portion sizes. I It needs to be balanced over the macronutrients. And the same thing like over the day mm-hmm. too. So like is half a cup of brown rice appropriate at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack? Like, yeah, it's the proper portion size, but is that what I want you eating at eat? No. Right. Yeah, you'll miss out on other nutrients. I think you said the key thing there is what matters is your overall diet. So if you just hyper-focus on one meal and you break it apart into different portion sizes of different you know, macronutrients or different food groups, well, it could be easy to do that once in a while to follow some protocol that says, okay, have this half cup of this and this quarter cup of that. But if you zoom out on your whole diet and you're trying to do that all the time, micromanage your portions based on some arbitrary number that you heard from who knows where, that can be mentally exhausting. It might not be exactly what you specifically need, but based on your goals, based on your activity, based on your taste preferences, and therefore it would be harder to adhere to for the long term. People get really hung up on this when it comes to things like bread, Mm -hmm. for example. So if they're having toast in the morning, if the serving size is one slice, it's like, oh my gosh, the world would end if Mm -hmm. I had two slices. And I think what we try to do with our clients is like, do you feel like you need two slices Mm -hmm. today? Because the proper portion size can change day to day too. So if you're not super hungry that morning, do you need to have two slices? Maybe not. If you are super hungry and you eat one slice and you're like, I need more, you go right ahead and have Mm -hmm. more. And that's where the listening to your body comes in because maybe you had a super hard workout the day before and your body needs help recovering. So Mm -hmm. even though it's the exact same time, it's Wednesday compared to Thursday, if you're only paying attention to one slice of bread is the portion size, you're not really listening to what your body needs. And so you're just following some arbitrary plan. Mm -hmm. And when you don't listen to your body, your body is going to send you stronger and stronger signals throughout the day to eat that piece of bread, but that's going to get more intense. And that desire or need for some extra carbohydrate in the morning, in the context of this example, might snowball into a desire for a piece of cake at night and a scoop of ice cream and something that you normally wouldn't eat and really is in alignment with whatever goal you're trying to achieve. So when you're able to kind of bypass some of those old rules of only have one serving of starch and only have X amount of this or only have two eggs, well, your body's still going to be hungry if it's hungry. And those signals aren't just going to go away because you read the serving size. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're still there. Yeah, we just discount what we know internally and we think whatever we read on a box or from a dietitian or from Instagram or wherever we're getting our information is smarter than our bodies Mm -hmm. a lot of times. And people need to realize that before all of this, there were, before my fitness pal and before calorie trackers and before there were nutrient labels, I think nutrient labels 
were like in the 70s or something like that, 70s or 80s. But but prior to that, we didn't know how many calories were in anything Mm -hmm. or what the portion size of anything was. And guess what? We were okay. We could could figure it out because we ate when we were hungry and we didn't when we weren't. Mm. So simple, but so hard. And, you know, it's funny because we talk about that when people bring up this question of how much should I be eating or how do I know if I'm eating too much or not enough? And they always ask that at the end of the session. (laughs) That was part of what we were laughing at because it is a simple concept that requires kind of a lengthy explanation, especially if you've never entertained this idea of listening to your body's natural hunger cues when it comes to moderating portions. And sometimes we know we're at the end of a session and we've got the time crunch you have to just ask a question like, well, after a meal, how do you feel? Do you feel satisfied? Are you still having thoughts about food? Are you counting down the minutes until your next meal or snack? Well, if so, then that's a big signal that you did not eat enough. If you're walking away from that meal just wanting to lay on the couch and take a nap and do nothing that you planned on doing, that could be a signal that you're overeating. Mm -hmm. And that's a great place to start to get the wheels turning of people thinking like, oh, how do I feel after a meal physically? Yeah, and I think people ask it because they think it's going to be a simple answer. Like, you need to have four ounces of protein, you need to have two ounces of this, and it's just, it's not a simple black and white answer like that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that comes from looking at nutrition labels and seeing serving sizes and wanting that to be like a personalized recommendation. I think we should talk about the nutrition labels and yeah. how they've changed oh, recently. Oh, yeah, totally. That's a, that's a big thing. So nutrition labels used to say, like, whatever that company thought was correct or what they wanted, how they wanted to make it look nice on their label. Like, okay, this ice cream is half a cup serving. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like it only has 150 calories because it's only half a cup, but no one is only eating or maybe it's a fourth cup it used to be. It was something ridiculous yeah, that, like, nobody only ate this amount of and now they've had to change it to what a normal person would eat is mm-hmm. what they're calling it is like what how much do people usually consume so if there's a 16 ounce bottle of coke the serving size now is the full bottle mm-hmm. versus before it would be like a serving size is eight ounces and it's like no if you're getting a 16 ounce bottle of coke you're probably going to drink the whole thing and so it's going to actually tell you how many calories carbs protein all that is in that exact bottle Mm -hmm. but that can be really confusing because the 22 ounce bottle is also one serving Mm -hmm. size and so it's going to have the calories the carbs all that of that entire bottle so it's it's different now, but I think it's a change for the good. Yeah, for I sure. think so too, because it opens up your eyes to saying like, oh, this actually is this much. And what I look at a lot of times, especially in the context of foods like ice cream or Coke, is yeah, the calories matter, but looking at the added sugar and comparing that to something else that has 230 calories. Mm. So if you compare a bottle of Coke that has 230 calories, but uh, you know tons of added sugar and no protein and no fiber compared to an actual meal mm-hmm. or to an actual snack that does have 230 calories, but X amount of grams of fiber, less added sugar, protein. That's where you really want to look when you're looking at a nutrition label in terms of how does this fit in my diet and how do I want to portion size this out? Because if you drink a bottle of Coke, you're not really going to feel anything except maybe like some bloating and gas. I burp every time I drink soda. Versus if you have something like avocado toast that might have a similar amount of calories but affects your body completely different and you're less likely to overeat 
avocado toast because it's got fiber, it's got fat versus Coke, which is just, I you know, liquid sugar. And I find myself really skipping over those numbers most mm-hmm. of the time. Usually I'm just going straight to the ingredients mm. and reading like what are the ingredients in this food. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really ever look at how many calories are in this anymore. No. Whenever I find myself focusing on calories, I always feel like I tend to overeat. Like I get, this is just me personally. If I'm hyper-focused on calories, if I'm hyper-focused on does this have calories, does this have, you know, too many, am I over what I need today? Then it just makes me a little bit crazy. And I feel like I just say, I don't want to think about this anymore. And I'm more likely to overeat versus when I'm looking at the nutrient complex, I guess, nutrient content of a food and the ingredients, I'm more like, oh, okay, like I'm focusing on making sure I get enough fiber today. I'm focusing on making sure that this new cracker I want to try has actually got good stuff in it and is going to fill me up Mm -hmm. versus the buttery Ritz ones. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes people will be like, well, how much protein is in four ounces of chicken or something like that? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know where I think it comes from a lot of times is not only just the nutrition label and what we were taught in school or my plate, which is a whole other (laughs) dragon we should slay, um, but is the bodybuilder mentality that is so popular with a lot of our clients, the macro counting, the flexible dieting, where these people who were performing for sport were following a really strict diet because for their sport, they had to achieve a certain aesthetic. They had to achieve a certain body fat percentage. Their muscles had to do, you had to reach a certain peak. So they were very calculated about what they ate for their sport. But for 99.9% of people who aren't going on stage completely shredded in front of a panel of judges, it is not the most effective approach to eating because it's not sustainable long-term and it boxes you in. So these bodybuilders, I mean, it's notorious that they would have, you know, four to five ounces of a lean protein and half a cup to a cup of brown rice or sweet potato and some kind of green veg or tilapia or whatever it was. It was always just the same portion sizes repeated frequently throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And for most people, that's just not long a long-term approach. But for a lot of my clients, and you can tell me if you see this, that was a way they lost weight maybe in college or high school or when they first attempted to lose weight. And now that they regained the weight and they're not following that protocol anymore, they believe that that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And they always revert back into, ooh, okay, when I first lost weight, I was eating four ounces of chicken, half a cup of rice, and half a cup of broccoli for lunch. Mm-hmm. And for snack, I had a protein shake. And for dinner, I had five ounces of tilapia. So they get kind of hyper-focused on these numbers that worked for them at one point. But now that their life's totally different, it's hard for them to understand like, oh, this isn't the best approach for you anymore. And the key there is that that ended mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. So yeah, you did that, but then it ended. It, it didn't, didn't really make, work. It didn't make sense for you anymore and I don't really think it even with the bodybuilders there's an end to that they can do that because there's a certain season that they are doing that in and there's always an end Mm -hmm. and then they get on stage and they come off and they eat 17 donuts Mm -hmm. like but they understand that because that is their sport and so to translate that to real life 
just doesn't make sense. Makes zero sense. You know, it's funny. I was listening to this interview with, you know, the bodybuilder Lane Norton. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was on Dr. Peter Atia's The Drive mm-hmm. podcast, which is a really good podcast if you guys are interested in really like medical in science. Depth. Yeah. Like this isn't for you if you really don't enjoy biology or really just real medical talk yeah so it's i guess it's more of an intermediate advanced level but anyway he was sharing some of his bodybuilding history and he was talking about when he would approach a show where he was getting to below seven percent body fat how hungry he would be all of the time and he still had to be really meticulous about portion controlling everything but he's like i would be hungry for months like he just lived hungry but for the sport he had to overcome that and he's like i remember getting on an elliptical and for what seemed like 30 minutes was only about 30 seconds because he was so exhausted and hungry Mm -hmm. and had no energy Mm -hmm. and we see this and it's kind of glamorized on instagram or on social media of how these types of people are eating and living but you don't hear how freaking miserable that is and how that's Mm -hmm. not appropriate for most people yeah and unless you're making lots of money off doing that it's not worth it no no it's not seven percent body fat is not maintainable for anyone yeah yeah and you we've talked about this we get those people that love to do the extreme and like that's their sport that's their passion cool but our clients who come in are not doing that and so they don't need to be following a, a bodybuilder type protocol yeah if i can i'll use myself as an example with this whole portion size thing so I've been breastfeeding, like, had a kid, breastfeeding, you know, all that stuff. The way you say it so casually, had a kid, you know, all, <laughs> popped that, one out. all that stuff has been happening this year. So, generally, a lot of times I'll use these meal kits, you know, whether it's right now I'm doing Home Chef, you know, I always try all the different ones. So, right now we're doing Home Chef, and prior to having a baby and being pregnant, we would always get like three portions mm-hmm. out of these things. So, somebody would always get lunch the next day. We do not have any leftovers now. So I've noticed that my portion sizes are just as big as my husband's portion sizes now. So it's completely changed. And when I think about it, and I think about, okay, how many calories should I be consuming in a day from a scientific perspective, it about matches what I think my husband's is. So I think that makes sense. So now like I'm probably around 2,500 calories a day, including like my exercise and breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. And I look at him and I'm like, that's probably around where you are too, which is just different mm-hmm. from where I was before I had a kid. So my portion sizes are also going to be different. So mm-hmm. for me to just read a label and take that and say, this is what's appropriate for me, that makes no sense mm-hmm. because you have to, for each person, take into account what's going on in their lives are they sedentary are they exercising some people need more protein than other people to feel satisfied Mm -hmm. some people can have eggs for breakfast and they feel wonderful and other people have oatmeal for breakfast and they feel great but not everyone is the same Mm -hmm. and that's okay but you can't just read a label and say this is my Mm -hmm. portion size you have to do the work to figure that out Mm -hmm. Ooh, the work. <laughs> but the nobody work. wants to do. You gotta do, do the work. <laughs> you gotta keep that. Gotta keep that food journal. Yeah. And not and not food journal in terms of I need to count how many calories, but food journal in terms of I ate this mm-hmm. power bowl and I was hungry again in an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, what was in it and why? And mm-hmm. what do we need to look at that? We maybe we need to bump up the protein. Mm-hmm. Try that tomorrow. If you bump up the protein, it feels a lot better. Bam, you got it. You mm-hmm. figured it out. If you bump up the protein, you still feel hungry. 
let's bump up the carbs too Mm -hmm. and see how that feels. Or maybe one day that feels great and then the next day you need a little bit more. The whole purpose of us having this conversation is the answer is what feels good Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Are you hungry afterwards? Are you satisfied afterwards? That's what we need to figure out, not does half a cup of brown rice (laughs) make sense. Yep. Yeah, that reminds me, I'm working with um, a girl on the daily accountability program right now. And for the first week and a half, it took her a lot to wrap her mind around eating more at breakfast to help her control her hunger because she's like, I would eat this and I'm hungry again at 10 o'clock. And it's really frustrating because she was doing all of these things for school. She was studying, all yada, yada. And her hunger kept interrupting her train of thought. So I was like, add more to breakfast, add more to breakfast. Come on, like you can do it. And all she had to do was just with her usual breakfast that was already pretty balanced, just small because she was just following the portion sizes that she'd always followed. Mm-hmm. All she did was just add a cup of Greek yogurt and it's, it was simple as that. It's, now she's fine. And yeah. so we've done that with other meals and done a little bit of tweaking to things just to see what feels good for her. Now she hardly has any cravings at all through the day. She's not going towards that 3 p.m. sugary pick-me-up. She just has herbal tea if she needs it and moves on or eats an actual snack. It's so much easier. And now she can actually focus on living her life because she's not obsessed with still being hungry. Her yeah. mind's not constantly saying like, feed me, feed me. And that led her to sugar in the past. Now it's just like, hey, you know what? You had to experiment with adding and, and manipulating some of the things that you were eating. And now she's on a good path. And you know what? The the wild thing is, is in a month when she's not in school, things might change. Her life's going to be different. She's probably going to be more active. She's probably going to be uh, less focused on a specific task. So her hunger needs and her portion needs are going to change with her, her life. And that's where portion sizes can really be a detriment so Mm -hmm. for example something like oatmeal if that half cup portion of oatmeal and then that's all you eat you're probably gonna be hungry i think for most people that's probably not enough or if you're doing those oats like and making sure okay well now i need to eat nuts or Mm -hmm. a scoop of peanut butter to go with it but feeling like okay all i can have is this half cup of oats because that's what the box or the bag mm-hmm. says, I feel like that can be a real detriment to you then feeling hungry in mm-hmm. an hour and then feeling like, well, something's wrong with me. Yeah, well, something's wrong with me. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's another important point to bring up with portion sizes is, like you were saying, your portions are likely going to vary from day to day. There's some people who just kind of have a consistent routine, and so their portion sizes stay pretty consistent just based on their hunger. But then there's times where you're going to be hungrier or have different hunger signals at different times day to day. Like it's okay to have your normal breakfast and then once in a while feel hungrier earlier than usual because who knows what's happening. Maybe it's something hormonal. Maybe you, like you said, you had a big workout the day before, you didn't sleep well. It's okay to have differences in hunger. I think the problem comes when people box themselves in and say, oh, it's 10 o'clock, I'm not supposed to eat until Mm -hmm. at least 11 because you're supposed to wait four hours in between meals. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, no. If your body is sending you thoughts about food, you're starting to feel those physical symptoms of hunger, your stomach's growling, you feel empty, eat. It's okay. Like, you're allowed to eat something. Ideally, something that's going to fill you up, not just a bottle of Coke and, you know, sweet tarts. But don't try to ignore what your body's telling you because you might end up overeating later and then you won't feel comfortable. I think people have a real problem marrying that concept to getting results uh-huh. that they want mm-hmm. because they feel like they are giving in to their body and giving in equals gaining weight mm-hmm. or not 
losing weight at Mm -hmm. least either maintaining or gaining people have a real hard time coming to terms with the fact that they can live with their body and give their body what it needs and also Mm -hmm. see results they don't believe it Mm -hmm. until it happens they will not believe you Mm -hmm. i was writing in so i'm copying megan and trying to write a book and i was writing in the first chapter about how I've had people tell me they don't know how to eat whether they're unless they're on a diet or just completely off and not thinking about food at all. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are so wired to think like, okay, the only way I can get results is if I'm following some external source yes. of information, some plan, some protocol that guarantees X amount of weight loss in this amount of time. They don't know how to find that middle ground. It's all or nothing. It's I'm either on a diet or I'm just eating whatever I want, not paying attention to anything. And sometimes this can be long cycles where they're on a diet for weeks and off for months or weeks. Or it could just be they're on Monday through Friday and off Mm -hmm. Friday night through Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think people get really, really discombobulated with what the hell do I do? And that's where I can empathize when people say like, what's a portion size? All I know is this really restrictive box that hasn't worked for me or just overeating or eating to the point of being uncomfortable or eating a bunch of stuff that isn't actually doing anything for my body and just adding on a bunch of, you know, I guess the term would be empty calories. And I think it makes people feel uncomfortable when there's not a direct answer Mm -hmm. to that as well. And now it's like, ooh, like, I have to work. I have to come up with this on my on my own. You're not going to tell me just exactly what I need to eat and what time mm-hmm. and what the portion of it is. And yes, that would be easy for most people to follow because they want those answers and they want that definitive concrete meal plan. Mm-hmm. But we know that that doesn't work mm-hmm. for the long term. It just doesn't. I wish it did. Give up the, <laughs> give up the meal plan idea. <laughs> give it girl. up. Give it up. Should that be our new it's jingle? Not, <laughs> it's not going to work long term. You can do it for a couple weeks, but as long as you have to keep paying somebody to write you on a meal plan, that is your clue that it's not sustainable. Yeah. You can't be spoon-fed how to feed your body. And I I think the best example is if you think about a baby or a little kid, they just have this intuitive sense of when to eat, when to stop eating. And we dislearn that natural instinct as soon as we buy into going on a diet. Yes. And also just not just babies, but like a person a mm. hundred years ago. Yeah, true. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when all those messages weren't coming at you before all of that, maybe it has, maybe we have to go back 150 years at this point. But <laughs> we, as people, and we just knew to eat. Yeah. And there wasn't all these crazy messages coming at us that we had to decipher. And we put didn't put food on this like moral high ground where it's like if I don't eat I'm better. Yes. If I do eat I'm bad. Oh my if god. I give into that 10 a.m. snack because I'm hungry I'm bad. That narrative I love that you brought that up. So I had a 18 year old client in here yesterday. She is first of all I just want to say the younger generation they are so freaking smart and intuitive <laughs> and aware but they still struggle with these things too. And she was telling me she gets triggered to want to restrict her food when she hears her friends, even if they don't even mean it from like a a presumptuous perspective, but if they say something like, oh my God, I haven't eaten all day and it's three o'clock, 
that makes her start to feel bad. Like, oh my God, I've had two meals and two snacks. Yeah, right? And she's like, oh, like, and I'm like her. I'm like, I don't understand those people who can just get so wrapped up in a project all day long that they don't even think about food. And she's like, that makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel like I need to restrict and not eat. And, And I say, I get that, but you have to reframe it and think, no, no, you're doing it right because you're taking care of yourself and you're answering the call. And this specific girl, she was telling, I think she listens to the podcast. She was telling me, yeah, I used to wake up in the middle of the night so hungry because I would not eat all day and I would eat a bunch of crackers and that was just annoying waking up in the middle of the night. Now she's listening to her body and eating more during the day and she's sleeping through the night. Yeah. But she hears other people kind of like boast about like, oh, like I didn't eat all day. And that's not cool. <laughs> it should not be cool anymore. But it was the cool thing. It was cool to just eat a piece of toast for breakfast and a salad for lunch. But I always say, like, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. When people say that, you never know what they're really eating. I've definitely had those situations before when I've been, like, traveling with a group and stuff when I was younger. And people saying to me, you eat all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you, ne- you never stop eating. And it's like, well, I'm just, I don't want to eat a huge meal yeah. at one time a day, like, I would rather spread my intake out throughout the day. And, yeah, that makes you feel kind of like, oh, like, mm-hmm. should I not be eating right now? Like, why are you looking at that as a negative thing? Yeah, I'm eating all the time, but, like, I'm comfortable with yeah. where I am and I'm well-fueled. So, like, Mind isn't your business. that cool? Like, yeah. <laughs> why is it, well, you know, it's probably they're projecting on you. Yeah. If we're going to get in our little therapy hats on here, it's like, well, that person probably has their own issues with food because people who don't have issues with food would never comment that. True. They would never look at you and be like, oh, you're eating again? Oh, like, wow, you eat a lot. Like, people who do not have food complexes are not noticing those kinds of things because they're not projecting their own insecurities around food on you. Yeah, and internalizing it and thinking about it and then mm-hmm. telling you how they feel about it. You know what I love? As I love the people that brag about how much they eat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like that almost. <laughs> <laughs> I love people that are like, yeah, eat all the time. Because it's flipping it on his head. Because I can yeah. remember being in eighth grade and feeling like going out with your friends and like the boys were around and feeling like, oh, I can't order the yeah. wings. I have to get the salad because I'm a female <laughs> and I have to like eat a little bit. Or then that's like not girly. If I want them to like me, I can't. Can't dip chick- a wing. I can't eat the chicken wings <laughs> and have that all over my face. I remember thinking those things yeah. as a little girl growing up. So seeing people brag about, seeing especially females bragging about like girls gotta eat like yeah okay I like that I love that that reminds me of a first date I went on when I was in college where we, I don't know we went out to like some burger place and I ordered a turkey burger with a salad and I only ate half the burger on the date and I felt kind of like oh my god he's gonna think it's weird if I take it home I took it home anyway because who would who would care about that right like oh of course she's gonna I paid for this burger she better take it home I came home and ate the rest of the burger of like no <laughs> it's like did. just eat what you need to eat and then also reminds me have you read the book by Glennon Doyle called oh shoot it's her newest one no I have not there's a story where she talks about her son was playing video games with all his boy boyfriends his friends who were boys and there were some girls there and she just came in and was like hey who wants pizza and without skipping a beat, all the boys just said, yeah, we do. And they didn't take their eyes off the video game. The girls, she described it was like a telepathic communication where they all looked around the room and silently elected one girl who said, 
no, thank you. We're fine. And she was like, oh, like, guys, these little boys just automatically are like, yo, we want pizza. Where girls have to, like, ask each other. And I know that's so true. Yeah. Like, "Mm, no, we're good. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Eat the pizza, girls. I know. Eat the pizza, especially when you're young. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, savor the pizza. (laughs) Get another slice. Dip it in ranch. Yeah. And I don't know where this whole, like, superiority complex with not eating came about, but let's abolish Let's abolish. Let's bury it. Eat the pizza. Here, here. <laughs> All in favor of abolishing, glamorizing, being hungry, say aye. Yeah. For aye. real. All opposed. <laughs> Nobody. All right. So, I, you know, what I've noticed, I, I was asking another one of my Generation Z clients about this. I was like, what I see from an outsider perspective is that it, it's cool to eat a lot. It's cool to have a big appetite. And she was like, yes, it is, but everyone is still personally struggling with it within her circle and I've asked this to two different girls so it's not like I have like a professional survey but they're like yeah the message is out there like yeah eat like it's okay to eat but the struggles are still the same but it's like it's okay for everyone else to eat. yes exactly it's just not okay for me yep which is interesting yeah which is hard too it's a it's progress right so it's she's like i would never shame my friends for eating this girl was on the row team and she was like nobody i would never shame my friends for eating i encourage them to eat they all encourage me to eat but we all have our own you know struggles with it mm-hmm. when you're growing too you have to be a certain weight to get on that boat on her coach he was he's got the old school narrative of like you gotta drop eight pounds you gotta cut carbs and they're rowing i'm like oh my god it's a nightmare situation but yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to see how the trends go. You know, there is some trends though that I also don't think are the most beneficial that are happening with food, um, like the glamorization of drinking really high sugary beverages, especially sugary coffees, sugary pank juices, drink. pank drink. Yeah, the pank <laughs> like drink. That? I don't know. Well, yeah, a lot of that Starbucks stuff, mm-hmm. where it's cool now to have that like every single day. I guess it's kind of taking the place of soda because I don't hear kids drinking soda as True. much as I do. At least like the socioeconomic class of kids that we would work with or teenagers or young adults. Um, but it's definitely a lot of like juices, a lot of smoothies, a lot of iced coffees that have a bunch of added sugar. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a trend that maybe should be reevaluated. Because it's cool to walk around and like take a selfie with those things. Totally. Right? Yeah, they're very Instagrammable when Especially you're drinking. Like... Rainbow, unicorn, all that kind of stuff. Which just gives me a stomachache thinking about <laughs> it. But that's one thing I noticed is interesting. And that if we're gonna talk about portion control, those are things that I think are easier to put a portion control, I don't want to say limit on, but what I do in those situations is if I have a client come in who is drinking those things like six days a week on top of a bunch of other things that really aren't doing their body any good. Instead of creating rules or restrictions, I'm like, okay, so you have this goal to lose weight. You're consuming tons of calories and added sugar from these beverages all the time. They don't fill you up. They don't do anything for you. What's a boundary you can put on yourself? Kind of reframing it as like, okay, let's let's put a limit per week without completely restricting you. But how can we taper back these kinds of things without saying like, you can only have eight ounces of this coffee X right. amount of times per week. And it's just recognizing, like, what is this doing for my body? Mm-hmm. And what is the feeling that I get afterwards? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm getting a crash afterwards every day and then I'm not able to complete the things that I want to complete throughout the day and then I feel like a piece of crap at the end of the day for not getting my stuff done, is that really the best choice mm-hmm. for you? So it's not about 
putting food in that moral category of like these are bad you're a bad person for drinking this thing that's full of sugar it's what do you want to accomplish and Mm -hmm. does this fit into that puzzle maybe Mm -hmm. it does a couple days a week but maybe it doesn't every day i think that's a beautiful way to put it how does this fit into what do i want to accomplish for the day what always makes me excited is when I have somebody like I I have um, a client coming in today and she sent me her food diary and in her food diary she was making notes about how um, she hasn't craved fast food in a while and then she had fast food Mm -hmm. and she was like this doesn't even taste good like I felt really gross after this like I wish I hadn't eaten it but I'm not gonna beat myself up over it Mm -hmm. I'm like oh after two weeks of just not eating fast food and choosing not to do it because she's like a really really great weightlifter She's like, this isn't really doing anything for me. It doesn't make me feel good. And then she tried it again and it didn't taste as good. And she was so much more aware of like, oh, this is, it made her shit is what she put in her. <laughs> I was going to dance around it, but it made her shit herself. She's like, I wish I hadn't eaten this because I've been shitting all day. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that might be a bit extreme, but it is kind of nice to see like, oh, like you don't really love this as much as maybe yeah. you thought you did because you've put in a big breakfast, which by the way, for context of listeners, it was like a Chick-fil-A or Starbucks breakfast or McDonald's breakfast that she was getting. And now she's eating eggs with a bagel and cream cheese and her own coffee at home, which I think a lot of people might look at and be like, oh, she's having a bagel with cream cheese? God forbid. (laughs) But it's way better quality and it makes her feel really good. It doesn't make her shit her pants and it helps her make healthier decisions throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, all you needed to do is just try something else. It doesn't mean that you had to just eat like egg whites and you know, toast and oats with no flavor. Yeah. I had a big realization this week because I've had, I have quite a few clients who will drop their kids off at school and then go through a drive-thru. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this over and over and over again. And when I'm talking them through this, like before having a kid, I never understood that mentality. It's like, it's the beginning of your day. Mm-hmm. Like start the day off on a good note. Like you're starting the day off with fast food. Like, come on, where there's, you're just going downhill, like right as you begin the day, never understood it. And would always try to like coach clients through it without really stepping into their shoes. Now I get it. Yeah. I get it because you drop your kid off and you feel like you have accomplished something <laughs> and you're like, oh, I did it. And it's like this breath of fresh air. And you're like, I want someone else to make me a coffee like I want to go I want something easy to happen I want someone to do something for me Mm. and so then you go through the drive-thru to get a coffee and you might as well get a sandwich like why why not but this does not fit into my life I found out because I went through the Starbucks line after dropping Liam off and it took 30 minutes And I was like, well, I guess this doesn't fit in my life. So good for me. I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> like, but it felt so great for someone else to just make me a coffee. Because I felt like if I go home, I'm not going to have time to make breakfast. And someone else just makes it for me. Well, guess what? More time to go through that drive through mm-hmm. than it is. But now I get you. I get you, clients. I'm sorry. I never, <laughs> got, I never got it before. I was just like, stop doing that. Now I get it. I can empathize with it. I don't get it. <laughs> but no, what I what I can't get, and you can tell me this, is when I have a client who wakes up in the morning and gets in their car and goes, oh, no. right, <laughs> and like doesn't, it's just kind of like doing it to do it. They're not all on their way to work or anything. There's, they just, it's part of their ritual. Yeah. Uh, I know during the pandemic, that was a big thing that people yeah. struggled with. Mm-hmm. It was like, ooh, going to Starbucks mm-hmm. drive through with my kids or just by myself was just like something to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. As of right now, I mean, at least in our area in Orlando, Florida, that hasn't been the case for a long time. Um, 
and right now the pandemic's winding down, so that's not really an excuse anymore. But I also think when it comes to those kinds of things, when you are frequenting Starbucks and you're not getting just a black coffee or something that's a little bit lower in total energy. Nitro, sweet cream, nitro cold brew sweet cream. It's like 30 calories. Yeah. Get it. You it's turn delicious. one of that. It's amazing. Anyways, it's so go on. It's so good. <laughs> we have a podcast about that. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. You That's okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, I remembered. Uh, it's, if you're thinking about your goal, right? Just kind of like when you were saying, does this fit in the context of my life? If you're thinking about the ultimate vision of your life or your health or your goal, I think a lot of times that means making sacrifices that kind of suck in the beginning, but then you'll get used to it. Like breaking the routine or the ritual of going to Starbucks or Einstein bagel every day at first kind of sucks, but then you just get over it and you're doing something better for you and you're getting closer to where you want to be. You just kind of have to like move through that uncomfortable space and find a new healthier routine that feels good. This reminds me of my dad. He, <laughs> I remember like having a conversation with him where I sat down and I was like, I understand that Snickers tastes good and I understand <laughs> that ice cream is good, but you can't have a Snickers and ice cream every day. Yeah. You just can't and that's life. <laughs> and I have nothing else to say to you other than that. Like that's just, we got to draw the line. Tough love. Somewhere. You can't have the Snickers and the ice cream every night. You sound like his mom. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just can't. How do you react? Um, I don't know. I don't know what he does now, but... (laughs) (laughs) He probably doesn't tell you. (laughs) He's like, you're right, I guess. No, he's like, he's definitely... He started eating those, uh, the kind bars with the chocolate on top instead of the Snickers. Cool. So we moved in the right direction. Moving on up. Yeah. I have a confession while we were talking Ooh. about fast food. Oh, I love this. People are not going to like this, but Wendy's breakfast is freaking great. Really? <laughs> of all places, and that was, Wendy's? And that was my exact reaction, and it took me about four months to actually try it. So, pandemic, you know, going on, whatever. Will's best friend has two kids. They started this ritual of going to Wendy's had breakfast. One of them wanted to try it. He wanted to try this Frosty Chino situation. So, mm. they go. It's delicious. So it's their now like weekend ritual. And he's telling Will and I all the time how good it is. And I'm like, absolutely not. Wendy's is disgusting. No, I will (laughs) not ever go there. So Will goes on his own, tries it. Apparently it's amazing. I'm still like, no. What's the order though? Okay, so... We woke up one morning. He's like, I'm going to take you to breakfast. So, you know, <laughs> I put on my sundress and I'm like, let's go to breakfast. Where do we go? Wendy's drive through <laughs> I am pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like, this sucks. <laughs> so, the order is the egg and cheese sandwich on a, I like it on a biscuit. Will likes it on the brioche bun. They use real eggs. It's not the fake egg that's like weird shaped. Okay. It's like a real egg. It's real cheese. I get bacon on mine. The hash browns are like spicy little hash browns they're very crispy okay i get the cold brew i don't get the frosty chino um yeah it's a good little saturday breakfast because if normally like we would go out to brunch and so i'm comparing this because like oh fast food like death to Mm -hmm. fast food dietitian can never eat fast food but if you compare that to going to brunch and getting like a normal brunch it's the same amount of food that you're eating and probably the same amount of calories and like twelve dollars instead of like True. sixty, <laughs> but the experience. <laughs> but it's it's like kind of it's kind of fun. Like you load up the car, we take Norman, we put Liam in the back seat, we go through the drive-through, and I have enjoyed it and so much that my friend actually got me a Wendy's gift card. No, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. I know. 
Uh, these are my confessions. These are my confessions. <laughs> well, I mean, I was thinking about when you and I were at first watch of the day, there's that egg sandwich that is almost the exact thing that you just described. It's like an egg on a bun mm-hmm. with cheese and bacon. But glamorized but because glamorized. it's from first watch. Yeah, there's and avocado so think on it's it. it's healthier, but it's probably about the same. It's probably about the same. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm not I'm, bought I'm in. I'm sorry, people. Like, you don't have to buy in. Trust me. It took me a long time. <laughs> it took me a long time to buy into this. And I still don't think I would ever go through Wendy's to eat, like, normal time mm-hmm. food but breakfast is pretty good i mean i i mess with chick-fil-a's breakfast once in a while so i, I get it while i was pregnant that was a big one really is that mm-hmm. like a craving you had mm-hmm. got it mm-hmm. well i mean i'm not gonna judge i'm just surprised that's all <laughs> i just would not expect you to go there we got real off topic from portion sizes yeah we did but you know there's only so much you can talk about portion sizes where at the end of the day our whole point here is that it's very personalized and that you have to listen to your body first you know there is one intuitive eating tool that I think is helpful for a lot of people, which is that hunger scale. Have yeah. you ever used that? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's great. If you're listening to this, I w- all you have to do is just Google the hunger scale. And essentially, it's just a numerical scale <laughs> of what it feels like to be at certain hunger levels. And it's a great way to get you into thinking in a new way. So on the scale, for instance, if you're a three, that means you're just, you're hungry. Like you feel a normal level of hunger. And if you drop below a three, you're starving, you're famished, you're hangry, you have low blood sugars. Versus if you're at a five, you don't really feel anything. Six, you're slightly full. And it goes all the way up to 10 where you feel like you're gonna throw up. So I think that's a really great place for people to start if you're not sure if you should be eating more or less is to look at the hunger scale and use that as um, an initial navigation source. And knowing that feeling satisfied isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Because sometimes when you come from that diet mentality, it's almost like I have to make sure that I don't feel satisfied mm. because if I do, that means I'm not going to get the results that I want. Mm-hmm. We try to teach people the opposite. And we've seen it work in yes. the opposite way over and over and over again. It's our voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> so we definitely got off topic, but we're hoping that that main point was pushed on you and i'm hoping the main thing you didn't get out of this podcast was to try wendy's breakfast <laughs> but if you do <laughs> go when you're hungry <laughs> and, don't and about you it. know what i'm satisfied so from that saturday morning breakfast like i don't need to eat again for quite some yeah. time after that yeah so you're fine <laughs> right your body's like enough yeah, <laughs> i've like, got work to do we're good yeah well that's it uh if you guys have questions like if this was confusing for you if you feel overwhelmed This is where we encourage you to reach out to one of us. You can work one-on-one with us and we can help you really find an approach to navigating portion sizes and hunger and your goals, putting it all together in your own personalized plan. That way you don't have to download some PDF template for $15 online that gives you an exact schedule of what to eat and how much and when. Uh, Those things just aren't effective for the long term. They make you feel good in the beginning because you feel like you have control, but how many times... Have you seen Megan people do that and they just wind up here? Yeah, I think most of the time the people that wind up here have followed some kind of meal plan. And so yeah. guess what that means? Doesn't work. Well, Because now you're paying me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so if you enjoyed this episode we ask that you share it on your social media and tag us on instagram we are at nutrition.awareness uh, from our instagram you can access our website you can send us dms you can like our photos i guess comment them and do whatever you do on social media platforms that's where we are mostly hanging out these days so thanks guys for tuning in bye